1: Welcome to the Self-Build Podcast, where we explore all things home building and home improving in Ireland on both sides of the border. I'm Astrid Mattson, your host and the editor of Self-Build Magazine. Two of the most important advisors to hire on your self-build are the architectural designer and the quantity surveyor. I caught up with County Cork architect Adele Reagan of Adele Reagan Architects and Dermot Rasdale, quantity surveyor with DJ Build Estimations, to shed more light on their respective roles. First up, Adele. So then maybe the, the first question is, uh, what's an architect and why do you need one?
2: That's a very good question. And lots of people really genuinely have that question. But um, an architect can bring a lot of wealth of experience to the process and people, uh, they're only going to do this project once in their lifetime, whereas we are dealing with this on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, we work with the planners, we work, I think it's a very good idea to work collaboratively with your team um so to understand that they each have distinct roles, like the architect has one role, the engineer has another and the quantity surveyor would have another. And the architect takes the lead in understanding where each of those roles fit in along the process. And um, some very important functional engineering issues, for instance, needs to be established early on in the planning and design process or else you may not get planning permission for things like access to your site or for instance drainage, has it a suitable site? Have you done, uh, can you get a percolation test? Because you won't get planning otherwise, so there's no point in designing this beautiful home and having real serious problems or stumbling blocks. So yes, an architect can save you, I think, a lot of money by allowing, stopping you from going, preventatively going down wrong roads. at at the beginning stage of the process
1: and uh, and what is the design process like how does it work
2: well the design if you can imagine a timeline the design process really I often draw a line in the middle where planning is in the centre design is before planning and after planning is construction so the early stages are where a lot of crucial decisions have to be made to and it will really have an impact on the final outcome. And the more that you can do preventatively and design well in advance, I feel the better chances you have of a success, successful home and the way you actually want it. So, um, so basically, with, before planning, it's about meeting the client, finding out what their requirements are, listening carefully to their brief, their needs, and establishing, take you know, checking that, first of all, that the site that you've checked with the county development plan that there is uh, th- there's a county development plan on all of the websites, the local area websites, and make sure that actually this site is permissible. And very often, the the county, the purpose of the county development plan, is to make sure that you're that that they have done coloured zoned maps, where if your site falls into that category, you have a very good chance of receiving successful planning. Now if your site happens not to be in that area, it would be called agricultural zoned land. And they have quite strict controls to prevent people from just having this ribbon development around the place. So what what you have to do is prove a, a local area need where you are, you know, either a family member is local or there's a reason for employment or some very... Now, that that law is beginning to change, but it's still there at the moment. So when you've established all of these critical factors, then the design process starts with your client and you basically... um, You work very interactively. And I think the, the better your team is... And the more interactive the process, the better the outcome. And we, we, Regan Architects, we have a three D image uh, rendering process where we can kind of check with the client: Are we on the right track? Are we? Then we come back, we adjust, we send this uh, these drawings then in for a pre planning meeting. So we have a good sense even before we apply for planning that we're we're on the right track and that we're going well. Um, so also, I suppose, co- drawing. I have had international background. I've worked and lived in Boston for years and I think it just gives an extra that they have a fantastic ability to have that inside outside relationship and how the whole flow of the house works. So I think I've picked up a lot of those extra skills and working with urban design practices as well. So you the a very important concept is to work from the general to the particular. So that hopefully brings you to the planning process. You go through the administrative process of planning Getting planning, you have a certain amount of time to, to wait, and after that then you're in construction phase. That's after. And after that you have your you have to coordinate your architectural design with structural drawings. And this is a very important stage because If a builder builds from the planning documents there isn't enough detail there and they may go off on tangents and you end up with a result that's nothing like what you started off with so it's really important to follow that thread right the way through and I think an architect has the ability to you know um, keep an eye on that concept that initial concept and carry it right through to delivery at the very end so that's very important.
1: And how much can you change from your your planning drawings to your construction drawings? How much the planners have certain things at Absolutely. mind? Absolutely. Some things you cannot change. Yes. What are the things you can and can't change?
2: Usually the general rule is the external envelope you must not change. You've signed off on design for the site design and windows, doors, anything that affects the envelope of the house internally. If it doesn't affect the envelope of the house, you're free to do what you like. But usually I'd recommend that as a team, we, we, we really know what we're doing ahead of time because it's a less stressful uh, approach to the design process we've signed off now on that stage and we're ready now as it happens there are cases where you might want to make minor adjustments but you just let the planners know with a set of drawings and hopefully that they will it's not a material change so they they will allow you to do that Mm. but sometimes they may ask sorry this is a fresh application so check with the planners yeah
1: um, and in in terms of the tips for the planning then, so, you were, yeah. so you'd said percolation?
2: Yes, just to be aware that the functional engineering issues are critical to in, invite early on and check. Take pick up the phone and ring the county engineer and check that your site and everything ticks all the boxes in terms of access. For instance, your 80 metres sight lines both ways up and down the site. Because if that can't be achieved and the planners won't give you planning, you're stuck. That's one thing, also the drainage stuff um, that makes sure that you can, are either connected to the mains or that the site is suitable for a percolation test. But again, that's bringing the engineer in and their expertise at that point, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. Um, so then in terms of um, alternatives, yeah, to, um to uh, architects, so to have just an engineer, for example, yes. or a technologist, maybe that would design your house. Like, what's okay. the difference?
2: Well, it's a very good question, and peop- there are there's a lot of confusion around this. If you can imagine, it's like I would be asking I, to get an electrician to do the same job as a plumber. They're very vast. They're very different training backgrounds. The Again, it comes to a team effort. The architect is coming, the training of an architect comes at the design from a very spatial, spatially aware, spotting opportunities on the site, for instance, that will affect the overall cost and design of the site. They'll usually just even on first site visit, you can get a real sense if you walk the site of what's possible, what potential that might be missed by somebody with a very different training like an engineer or an architecture technologist and architecture technologist is very valuable, but at the right time in the process. So it's to know where these people fit in along the whole thing and somebody has to have an overview and that would be the architect.
1: And in terms of costs, that's that's always a concern for sure. builders to, to go through the how architects charge for charge. their services and the generally different bundles.
2: Yes, generally it's based based. On, this is how I work anyway. It's based on a kind of percentage cost of the overall construction, and depending on the scale of the project, it that the percentage will get less if it's a bigger project and higher if it's a smaller project. And what's I think important is that it's broken down into stage payments also, Um, so that, you know, each stage payment is assigned to say that's design portion, then planning. So you're actually achieving something along the way as as the stage payments work. Um, So the range can be, you can call the RIAI, the Royal Institute of Architects of Ireland, and you can ask what the general rate is there for what percentages. Uh, Very often it's, it's usually about 10%. 10 to 12 percent depending. So, But you know what, all this can be negotiated and sometimes people prefer, rather than a percentage, a fixed price, which is very often what I agree. So all of that can be got out of the way before the design starts and then two different sides of your brain working and usually that works for us. Yeah.
1: And what's the role of the architect then once construction starts, or even at before after planning,
2: let's Sure. After planning. Yeah, then at that stage, you've gone through the whole design, uh, planning process. The architect, again, it's about going back to the rugby ball. You're you're keeping an eye on that initial concept. So you want to really bring this concept to fruition because at the end of the day, that's your ultimate goal is you want a house that reflects all these discussions you've had and get the best energy ratings for you. So it's a case of now consulting with your structural engineer and a BER expert, perhaps, and, and the quantity surveyor. At that point and starting to examine now how the architecture works with the structure. So the way I normally work is I'll get the structural drawings from the structural engineer as discussed with each other and then start building the framework of the building around that. And so it's it's about getting stuck into the detail, the the windows, the electrics, the everything, the the, the 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 sections. What thickness of the walls that are going to give you the best BER rating, for instance, full fill cavity or what? Is it going to? Are you going to work with energy consultants to give you the best results? And so you could even and you know work towards a passive house where you have no fees, no bills, n- nothing like that. So. Um, It's a really, it's an involved process and it needs a special time for that to develop that after. And then you're ready to get a further cost and send it out to tender to different builders, check their work, check their references, see that everything, you know, you're happy with the builders. And um, then a builder is selected and they're your contract documents then that you refer the builder to all the time during the construction process and there's a spec associated with that which is kind of like the quantity sur- quantity surveying contract doc this you know it's kind of combined with costs and specification together so that plus the drawings plus the archi- the structural drawings make up the contract documents and basically everyone just keeps referring back to those documents during the bill process mm-hmm. yeah
1: and then during the construction stage, once you've appointed your builder? Yes.
2: Then you usually have um, site visits every, I would say, for a domestic dwelling. It doesn't have to be more than every two weeks, unless there's something particular on the site that needs to be examined. And usually it takes both the architect and the structural engineer to sign off at the various stages along the way say foundations eaves height ridge height the various things and just be ticking off as you're going along when the foundations are like are op- opened up so that you can actually see before everything gets closed and hidden away you want to see how that this is actually being built according to the drawings and that Everything has been, of course, decided before that, that you've um, reached, you know, you've you've um, ticked all the boxes in terms of Part L, uh, building regulations. That's all been done now already. So now it's just going through the practical process of is this thing being built according to the contract do- documents, you know.
1: And what are the common, let's say, um, issues you've come across on site? What kind of watch points for self-builders on think site. that to be... Or at at previous stages? Yeah.
2: Um, Well, on-site would be like maybe unforeseen circumstances. And in that case, it's always a good idea to have a contingency in your budget set aside for... For instance, maybe the say you were doing part new, part old and some of the floors were just not what you thought they were and they needed to be completely dug out and redone. So the contingency is there for unforeseen things like that. I think the most regrettable thing for I I feel so bad for a lot of clients who come to me after the fact when it's too late and they have. Um, you know, they said, "Okay, we have constructed this, but it's not what we want. And they missed the opportunities early on. And I think that that's probably the most important message to get out to everyone is design preventatively ahead of time and make sure that you've covered all your tracks at the beginning and really get what you want rather than wait until it's too late and it's built and your money has been invested.
1: So, in terms of the number of professionals you think should be on a project, so you'd need the architect. The, the well, I think to go through the different. Yeah,
2: I think mainly you need an architect to lead the process, but I think then you will need at key points the engineer to do, say, some pre-planning stuff, and a quantity surveyor usually asks pre-planning to get a general costing at that point. Then afterwards, there's a more kind of um, joint effort for the working drawings with the structural engineer. And again, another stage kind of costing after the detailed drawings are done. So um, I would suggest that someone has to keep an eye on the overall picture so that it's not going off, but to know when the right uh, times are to bring in the various consultants like the engineer and the and they would be
1: charged for separate they
2: have separate fees then but because you know when to bring them in those fees are kind of they're not uh, quite as onerous as they might be you know and it's using everyone's skills to the best abilities
1: And how about an energy assessor? Would you
2: ever use those? There are times I think it is a good idea, yes, to get... Because all the houses need a BER uh, person. And yes, it's a good idea to have like a preliminary pre-planning little assessment of how this is. And then a post-check after planning and after the working drawings are done. Like one thing will affect another the windows the choice of what windows will affect you know whether you use underfloor heating or how are you going to keep this rating an a rating or passive and there's it's not just one way of doing that like is it going to be solar gain is it going to be windows through, through you know lots of different ways solar panels uh some some people go with geothermal i think it's there's a, a long time before you have to wait for that to see the feedback coming back from that so yes it's those discussions need to happen yeah Mm -hmm. Mm.
1: yeah um so then never a diy design would you say you always need an architect for designing no diy well obviously
2: if you're doing a a house that needs planning you know i would recommend getting the expert who's dealing with it on a daily basis Mm -hmm.
1: renovations are there I mean you build this easier obviously
2: you're working with your yeah, canvas happy days some, Sometimes but it's easier the challenges. sometimes yeah. it's not like sometimes it's really nice to work with the old and the new you know um, now we, obviously it's, I I've done a uh, did a session in Germany actually at, at Retrofit where you retrofit like three-story houses. So it's about working with the existing structure and doing whatever it takes to bring that rating up to an A rating. So it could be, you have options, you can do an exoskeleton of extra insulation on the outside, but sometimes you mightn't want to do that because it affects the aesthetics of the thing. So you might do an interior layer, you know, it's it might be Putting in insulation that goes down towards the foundation footing as opposed to being just starting from the floor. Um, it could be, you know, obviously all the, the windows need to be upgraded. It might be a case of putting solar panels on the roof. So there's all these different ways. And yes, I think it's a good idea to work with an energy consultant uh, with with that as well, you know. but um yeah
1: in terms of design is are the, what are the different challenges would is there it's it's just a different kind of project you don't see any different
2: maybe well i think sometimes reasons. it's nice because it gives you a flavor of old character and new so you can have the juxtaposition of a modern extension uh, next to say an old country home, and you've steel and glass say at the back, and uh, lovely flavour in the front, and that mix can be really nice sometimes.
1: And how does it work in terms of cost? Is it always cheaper to build
0: new, or has
1: it not always?
2: Cheaper? But definitely, you want to check ahead of time how much of your budget is going to be sunk into renovating this this old house. So because that's going to automatically come off the budget for, to make this a livable habitable home and it may it may guide you as regards whether this is the right way to go whether you do you know depending on the the state of the of the the physical fabric of that building how salvageable is it and you have to gauge that then but i'm always my preference is try and save the old and and try and you know, go for the conservation route if you can. Yeah.
1: And in terms of energy upgrades, are there is there kind of a level where it makes sense not to do it? Um like is yeah. there yeah, yeah. There be, be just cost wise yes. even in terms of your
2: heating does you would uh, reduce that? Yes, of- it's important to assess What is required in an old property uh, to make it, uh, you know, passive, not even passive, but even A rating and see is, is that actually feasible in terms of your overall budget. So check that before you actually launch into that. How much is it going to sink? Hopefully not too much so that you have enough budget left over maybe for an extension as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And how about the the DIY component in terms of people self builders doing their own? Yeah, yeah, you come across a lot of projects where they're hands on. Yeah, kind of pitfalls
2: usually from that? now maybe I'm biased here, but usually I think it's good to have one person who's accountable, that the go to person, and it's usually a good idea to assign a contractor to that role, and then that person basically takes charge because it can get the communications can get very fragmented if there's lots of different people and you know it's just it's maybe that the, the flow goes better if you've won one go-to person mm-hmm. you know
1: mm-hmm. do you know any other tips and advice for self Well.
2: Well, just even in terms of energy, your site design is so crucial. Like, I'm just looking at something here 30% energy savings can be achieved if a house is orientated in a certain way, like 15 degrees of south, and you can really affect like bills and things at the end of the day. So, the siting of your house and the angle, and also to find a site that's sheltered and you know, naturally, naturally conducive to a nice house. That's really important rather than just plonking the house, say, at the top of a hill. And it's it's not nestling in. And also the planners prefer when it works with the contours, you know. Mm-hmm. So site design is, is crucial more than people think. Yeah. yeah.
1: And there, what, the other elements would be what? Wind
2: and... Wind. Yeah. I mean, you know, orientation, wind where are you going to put your refuse, where the vehicular versus um, pedestrian, how are you going to create nice little private patio areas that are facing south, you know, um, north-facing windows should be, apertures should be smaller, south-facing should be larger, so you're getting all your gain, your solar gain. So all of this stuff is, is, is critical to the over. there's no point in thinking at the end of the day, down when it's finished, and this hasn't been considered.
1: Anything new in the way architects are designing, or any?
2: Well, technology advances? is changing all the time, and uh, that's a good thing because you know uh, it's it's assisting as long as it's assisting the process and not getting in the way of the process. Then we're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah.
1: So in terms of that, is it still all CAD-based?
2: Well, we, we use all 3D software, yes, because we build not in 2D. 2D is very kind of limiting, and I mean, at the end of the day, it is a 3D structure. So we build a model in 3D, and then we're able to look at that in, from all angles. And, you know, it's a very transparent, interactive process with the client and with the planners and the contractor. So everyone understands what they're doing along the way. And there's no mystery, you know. Yeah.
1: and would you use BIM or
2: not really the building well BIM is is, a, is very good, it's, it's generally used for larger scale projects and um, it's really BIM is like a building management system you know where you're interacting using Revit usually with all the various consultants so yeah it's absolutely got its place but for smaller projects I think we're doing fine just where we are but not to say that that won't change now, here's Dermot. The
1: topic is quantity surveying, so costing your build. When when do you need to start thinking about uh, costs on a self-build? You, can you just go ahead and design your dream house and hope for the best? Well, as it goes to
3: the golden question is everybody looks to know, well, how much is this going to cost? So at the point you need to do that probably is after you've spoke to your architect and you have um, the plans probably at the second or third draft, you know, when you're nearly there. But about to go to planning when everything the technical end of it is all we need a lot of spec in the plan to price things accurately so i suppose at the point where you're just about ready to say right we're about to start here we're about to look for planning and it's serious everybody stops down and takes a deep breath and goes oh, how much is this going to cost so That's the point you need to talk to us or somebody like us. Now, we're the alternative QS, so we make it a bit more simple for you to understand.
1: Mm -hmm. And so would a quantity surveyor come in and say, okay, if you build it with timber frame, it'll cost X if you build it with maestria cost x or you're kind of already decided on your build method by that stage
3: at that stage you've taken advice from your architect and usually people have an idea on their head already what they're, they're going to go timber frame they're going to go ordinary conventional block or or something maybe a bit wacky and out there but um hmm. usually people have that already done when they come to us you can take advice but your architect will generally advise you in that area he might have a preference or some people just come with a preference mm-hmm. but at that point you would come to us and we would say well if you do it in timber frame that gets a bit complicated because there's a lot of detail goes into different types of bills so you generally have to have it sort of in your head right i'm going timber frame or i'm going conventional or i'm going the other way whatever other else you, you choose to go to mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. and so what is the service what does the quantity survey do do you give a list of every single component
3: uh, a normal QS's bill would give you everything in square metres and a lot of jargon. And we w- what we do is we simplify that. We kind of take it and translate it a little step further. So your person out in the street who may not have that much construction knowledge would still understand, hopefully, the vast majority of it, 99% of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we offer is if there's still any... Um, questions in your head when you're looking through it, some some piece of information you don't understand or don't understand, the technical term for it, you can pick up the phone and ring us and we'll try and explain it to you.
1: So but what level of detail can you expect, usually from a quantity surveyor in general, like would they be... Well,
3: they, they, tend to, they tend to bulk everything into large items, whereas we we go in and sort of in a more natural order, so you will start off say at your, your foundations and we'll tell you basically, and it's quite simple, we'll tell you how much concrete's in it, we'll tell you how long your, your labour should be, we'll tell you how long your plant should be there, and, the, and we also go and re- research and find out the cost of that uh, say item in your area Mm -hmm. say the concrete or the the plant to hire a digger for a day depending on which way you're working we see some people go self-build and some people go builder but either way the information we give you is knowledge and knowledge is power so you Mm -hmm. can control your costs it's basically about controlling your costs so things don't spiral out of control Mm like
1: and how can self-builders use that as a project management tool would they be would it be a a dynamic thing or is this just at the beginning then you have your list
3: well you have your list at the start but as the phases happen because we give you all the phases in the natural order of things in which they would normally happen on a site so when we say you come to your superstructure will tell you every little detail is on that so it will tell you how many blocks your wall ties your damp proof your dpcs uh your installations your shands, your cement so on and so forth everything's listed in that kind of detail in that kind of uh, nice simple terms it's not as where a qs will actually go well there's one three six meters of reveal Uh, ditto squared, one, three, six. Uh, And he gives you all this kind of jargon and you don't really know, well, what does that mean? Whereas we just tell you, right, there's 9,000 blocks, you need 4,000 brick, you need 10 tonnes of sand, you need 20 tonnes of brick, whatever, so on and so Mm -hmm. forth, or 20 tonnes of of cement, and it's simply laid out for you. And then we'll tell you at the end of it, your labour should have cost you approximately, based on your negotiation skills, Seventy-eight to eight thousand pounds mm-hmm. don't pay mm-hmm. much more and don't pay much less to right. get it done right yeah and everything's just broken down so at, at the end of every sequence you say well the superstructure fees should cost you twenty four thousand. Mm-hmm. try not to go over that figure mm-hmm. and keep mm-hmm. it with now if the client can get it done for 23 yeah i'll, I'll, I'll praise to him but hmm. we tell you where you should give or take be at mm-hmm. and where budget. do
1: you get your stats then do you it's we just from experience just local from, I'm, experience.
3: I'm i'm, 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 I'm i have a builder for 25 years, I've won a Master Builder of the Year award several times, over the years we've built up its knowledge, basically for me too, about the renovations, sometimes we have a computer system obviously that works out all the nuts and bolts and does all the, the grunt work as we call it, but then it does take human input to figure out how long it's going to take to knock through that door there's a problem there, how, how's, how are we going to solve that? And the problem that's a potential problem. So we work all and we find details out for you. We're not mm-hmm. perfect, but we get it mostly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So it's it's a dynamic system then. You can use this as, you can change the variables. I'd say if midway through the build you decide you you're not, not going to put... Yeah, You can ring us and say, you go. can
3: ring to us and say, oh, listen here, we're not going to use that kind of tile, we're going to use this kind of slate. What's the difference in the cost? Yeah. And you can ring us up on it's well, a quick calculation we'd have done in like an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on how busy we are, obviously, like but yeah. we'll try and get back to you. It's a quick thing to got there. So we do get requests from people, they're getting us up to the roof and then next thing they see maybe they've priced for tiles. Uh, and they've seen some other roof and they go, Oh god, I like them tiles or I like them slates and they ring us up and go, Well, how much is them extra? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gonna cost you three grand extra. So that that kinda puts them at my ease where they go, No, just can't afford that'd be nice, but no. Yeah. Or else They go, yeah, we can afford that. Mm -hmm. And it gives them an idea how they can stand with their budget, you know. And if Mm -hmm. they run into extra costs, we might say to them, you know, if if things can happen, like say foundations are particularly wavy about how much they cost, because you don't know what you're getting into when you dig into the ground. You can hit bad ground, which can cost a lot, a lot of money. Well, further down the line, they can say, well, you've you've decided to use solid oak doors. Well, we can cut that back and buy veneer doors and try and save you a few pounds that way, you know. Mm -hmm. So they can come back and forth to us when we alternate it if the budget's getting a bit offline because of things that are out of their control sometimes, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And contingency then, what would you recommend as a contingency for a build? That
3: really just depends on the client's budget. Like, you know, uh, (laughs) (laughs) we could tell you 20,000 and we could tell you 5,000, but we usually tell you about somewhere between 10% on whatever your bill costs. And some people tell you, no, we can't afford that, we have to pay there. And some people, yeah, that's, but normally about 10%. 10%, and that
1: has to be ring-fenced into landscaping stage, probably.
3: Yes, until you get to the point where you go, uh, you need to use it. It's good to have it, you'll be glad if you have it, if Mm -hmm. you do need it. And things do go wrong in building sites from time to time, so it's useful to have it, and it's a bonus at the end of the day. If you, if you have it and you still only use two grand of it, well, you can have that extra fancy kitchen or you can have them gold-plated taps if you wish them, you know. <laughs> right. And um,
1: the the cost of a QS then, what is, Ooh, w- generally well, speaking, is generally, it a percentage usually, mm, isn't it? Like uh, an architect uh, or uh, an engineer? Well, they
3: they yeah, lecture? generally percentage, but your average, you're talking, I suppose, about what we found from from my experience was sending the QS is anywhere from five 600 sterling, which which equates to probably about seven or 800 euro. But we're generally doing, say, a 3,000-square-foot house with basic, typical, modern standards of build and, and uh, detail. We're probably doing it for about 350 to 400, mm. depending on the size of it and the scale and the complexity of the build. But mm-hmm. we'll take a look at the plans, and then we'll just send you back a quote. And mm-hmm. there's different packages. You know, we can go for gold, bronze, or silver, yeah. depending on the level of support you want. So if you're not that experienced in construction at all, you might go for the gold package with mm. a bit site visits and stuff like that
1: right okay um and then what was there there was i suppose the the pros and cons of someone doing their own qs is kind of self-evident if they don't have the information um, new build and retrofit then in terms of costs what um is there a big difference in costs if you're well
3: new build is generally cheaper per square foot because yeah. obviously there's not as much demolition and knocking through and there's not as much unknowns you can go into an old building and the cost can just spiral out of control because of something you haven't seen or something that you can't see. At the time of surveying, you know, we've come across cases where you take down walls and realise it's only the plaster's hiding up the wall, you know, and it's, the bricks are all crumbling and suddenly it runs into 10 grand of extras and nobody even knew about it. So they're a bit more haphazard. But a new build is generally more straightforward. There's less chance of running into any unforeseen, as we call it, there's you know, stuff that nobody can know about. Like, mm-hmm, unless mm-hmm. you absolutely strip a building down to the to the to the blocks and mortar and do your your test holes. Like, but generally people don't do go to that extreme. They mm-hmm. tend to tend to take a, take a bit of a risk on it. Like,
1: mm-hmm. and what are the big ticket items then on a the self build? What are the the kitchen? Um, well, what well, well,
3: well. The things that well, you can control. You can control the cost of your kitchen. Like you can go out and you can pick it, and you can say, "Well, I'm willing to spend five grand, or ten grand, or twenty grand." Things that can throw people off in self bills is they don't understand what happened. Like foundations, we had an instance there. we were doing a job literally three weeks ago, and we started digging the foundations, and there should have been about twenty to thirty meters of concrete on it. it. Ended up being one hundred and fifteen. Ouch, yeah. Ouch is right because the ground was so bad and nobody knew about it. And, and the, only, the, the, the only time you know is when the digger starts digging mm-hmm. and that run into like almost seven or 8,000 pound of extras just in an instant. And she had no choice, this lady. She mm. had to go on. Mm. Her old house was tossed.
1: Yeah. So yeah.
3: these things happen, which are a bit out of your control. So yeah, but that's
1: d- the only thing really is the foo- is Foundations the ground.
3: and works so are the only thing that really can spiral out of control because, like I say, they're an unknown mm. until somebody actually... Unless somebody goes and takes the presence of mind to go and dig holes right around your house, which mm. rarely happens, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. unless there's a case for where they might suspect there's bad ground, you know. Mm-hmm. But in this case, there was no even there was no even suspect of it. It just mm-hmm. turned out to be bad ground.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then kind of the um, the next generation sort of thing like what's what's coming down the line in quantity surveying is there are there any tools for gathering data for example well, because we, we the problem is everything's quite regional like yeah. for example north south the costs might be a bit different that, that's where we
3: recommend us our serves we have all our, our our research done for you so when you come to us Like for anybody who thinks they can go and just work out the cost of their own build, I I challenge them to go and do it and see if their headaches are are as much as ours after a while, like because when you start trying to find the price of this and the price of the other and when will that builder come and when will that plaster come and what's he gonna cost? It turns into a bit of we have all that done and we have all our experience. So we do all the the background work for you. You just get a bit of paper and it tells you already what what, what you need to know
1: and so does it pay to let's say if you're in the south to buy from the north
3: of course it does yes at the minute yeah, yeah. The exchange. it always traditionally did this last number of years and uh, what with us we, we, we were right on the border so we just were about two miles from the border so we're used to working north and south of the border so we right. know the regulations and we know what happens so we're 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 situated very very advan- advantageously.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So, uh,
1: so it'd be worth buying what kind of things from the north versus? Uh,
3: well, generally things like um,
1: m- building materials like insulation. Yeah, and well, insulation,
3: timber, slate, usually uh, concrete and your aggregate. It's just as cheap to buy them locally because concrete doesn't travel very far. It only goes about you know an hour's drive from the the quarry so it has you have certain things you will have to buy locally which is generally concrete and your stone and your blocks they're generally the one price in around that area and it doesn't pay anybody to travel long distance but definitely when you get into your general building materials insulation timber uh, slates tiles and any other thing any other thing that comes in between your dpcs and stuff yes it generally does at the minute it, it, it's more advanced to buy in the north
1: for free one-to-one advice about building and home improving, and to get quotes from the companies who will turn your dream into reality, come along to any of the self-build live events. The show is in Belfast every February, in Dublin every September, and in Cork every November. Subscribe to Self Build magazine, just log on to selfbuild.ie. It's just €4.50 or £3.90 every quarter delivered straight to your door. And if you like us, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts.
0: Botox Cosmetic, botulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.